I'm sure many of you have had that moment, especially if you've been a student, when you sat down to take a test, turned over the paper, and realized, I don't know any of the answers to the questions. Now, most of us have only had that in a dream. Hopefully, you haven't had it in real life, except in a Mr. Bean episode. But that kind of feeling of, is a reminder it's important to live life prepared. You can give me an amen for that. Got to be prepared. And what I love about Advent, which means coming, the first Advent, it comes at the end of the year, and there's this incredible opportunity to kind of step into the story, the familiar story of Christmas, of Jesus first coming again, and to prepare ourselves for a fresh work of God. And that's what we want to do. We want to lean in today. And think about this issue of being prepared. See, because there's no better example of how to do that in any generation than Mary's example. We just had read for us the moment of her big test. She was not prepared for what came. At least it seemed that way. She was surprised. Who wouldn't be? An angel appears to her, and she naturally has questions like any of us would. But as we really look closely at her reaction, both in this moment and thereafter, as you read the whole story, we can see that her preparation had started for this moment long before this happened. When the moment came, she was actually ready. And the angel, and he's given, we were told his name, actually reveals her secret. And it's our secret as well. It's in verse 28, where Luke 128 says, the Lord is with you. Now, we tend to think that now that the angel is here, now that he's telling her she's going to have this incredible assignment, unique to all other women ever to be born in the world, the one mother of the Son of God, now that these things are beginning to happen, God is going to be with you, and he's going to favor you. But that's not what it says. The angel didn't come to her, and in her surprise, say, the Lord is going to be with you now. That's not what it says. It says the Lord is with you. And what I love about that, it means that she's been living a life where she's been with the Lord. And that's what we're going to look at here. And what I love about that is it means what it did for her is true for each of us. That when I was still not sure as a young boy what it really meant to follow Jesus, the Lord was with me. As a confused teenager and maybe being some rebellious before I got baptized and just struggling with faith, the Lord was with me. 
Maybe for some of you, you're still not sure what a life of faith looks like. Can I tell you, the Lord is with you. He already has his favor on you because of the work of the Holy Spirit and the power and presence of Jesus. Some of you might say, well, I don't even know if I believe yet. No, but the Lord is with you. This is your time, just like it was hers. So what does it mean, the Lord is with you? Well, we can see in her story that the more we shift our focus from ourselves, get our attention off our own needs, our own comforts, that's when we begin to experience that the Lord is with us. You know, put yourself practically in her place, if, even if it's possible, a little bit. An angel comes. She was unprepared like we would be. And then he tells her something that had never happened before. I mean, her question was good. I'm not married. I'm a virgin. How am I going to be carrying a son? And that tells us that the assignment started then. So in other words, she was practical. I'm not ready for that because in this culture, girls don't do that until they're married. What are you talking about? And he answers her question. He said, no, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. We, we have this word spoken to her and us that's mysterious, like a hymness of a virgin birth. But can we be honest? Yes, he gave her an answer, but that would just trigger more questions. What? What is that? And what it tells us, she had to trust a lot about what that would mean. But then he left. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I have a whole list of other questions. How do I explain this to my parents and to the village I live in, the people I live with? Uh, um, Unwed mothers, pregnant girls that don't have a husband sometimes get executed in the town square. It was true. And how am I going to explain this to my fiance? Oh, God did this. Yeah, right. And we know, come on, this is real. And he didn't believe her. Did you ever think of that? The righteous Virgin Mary tells Joseph, and the way the story should have gone is, oh, I believe you, Mary. But he didn't. God had to send an angel again in a dream to kick Joseph. That's usually not far from what men need. He needed a good kick and a push, and then, boy, didn't Joseph step in there, though. Hallelujah. But what about the question, even those practical things, which she faced for most of the rest of her life, just the practical thing, what about my life? She was probably still a teenager. She had plans. She had dreams. And how, how do I raise A child like this. There was no manual of instruction he left behind. That's all he told her, as far as we know. And so the next time we hear her speak are two things. One is, I'm I'm his, his servant. But a few months later, she goes and visits her cousin, Elizabeth. 
And there's where we see the secret to the Lord was with her before he gave her the assignment. Think of that. Before she said yes, before she stepped into the assignment, the angel said, the Lord is already with you. And when she had the moment to talk about it with her cousin, when you go down and look just a little further in the story, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She starts to worship and prophesy. She says, oh, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior that he would take notice of this lowly servant girl. And now from here on out in every generation on planet Earth, I will be declared blessed. And then she goes on. She says, for the mighty one, talking about God, he is holy. He has done great things. Yes, in Israel, but she says he's done them for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation. She just worships God. And we see this is a young person. Can I challenge those of you who are in your early 20s or in your teenage years. A lot of our fusion guys aren't here, but they're going to hear it in the next service. You don't have to wait till you get older to begin to be a worshiper, to begin to have some depth to your character and your heart and begin to express that. Can I encourage you? Look on Mary. Feed into the word of God. Have it on your phone. Get it on your tablet. Read it and put it in your spirit and begin to speak it out. You see, she was a worshiper. And out of that honoring of God day to day, in her day to day decisions, she chose not to always ask, what about me? But instead said, God, I trust you with this. I'm going to believe for that. And she had been living a lifestyle that created purity. She was a virgin, and she made no demands. She didn't say to the angel, I need a lot more information before I step into this role. None of that. And it's because of the worshiping heart that she has. If we want to be with him more, let's learn in this coming year. Let's learn in this season to worship not just during a time of singing on Sunday, but in the decisions you make at the office, the way you talk about others. Let God be honored in every area of your life. What you talk about, what you look at, what you listen to, every area. And as you'll walk the way she was clearly walking, you will have a stronger and stronger sense that the Lord is with you. I think the Lord is with us the more, like she, we begin to understand his ways. You see, once she understood the assignment, she never looked back. And the only way she could have done that is that she trusted God. She had seen him walk into her life and do things in new other situations. How about you? Have you had that moment of desperation with a job or with different situations in your life where you could see no way out? Very often, those are the times we start to cry out. I want to challenge us to get to know the Lord's ways, whether we're in a crisis or we're in a season of praise. 
Come on. Whether I'm experiencing victory or I can't see anything but defeat, but God is good. He knows our hearts and he knows that most of us experience breakthroughs when we're about to break down. And he still keeps coming. He's still with you. He still favors you because his love is greater than our weaknesses. And see, the more we understand that and the more we consciously, just like with worship, we consciously choose to give up control of that area. Say, God, I'm really attracted to this individual, this man or woman. I really could see a future with him, but I see some things. They don't have the same passion for you. They, they really are going in a different direction, but oh, I, I'm tired of waiting. I want a partner. See, that's the key moment that we have to step back and go, can I trust God that if this person's the right one, you'll motivate them, him or her, to be in a direction that fits where I'm going. Same with our money. Can I really trust you, God, that I start to tithe my income? I know it belongs to you, but I, I, I don't know. And, and it's only when we take those steps and push in, and as we do and we see God stand with us and come through, and I'm telling you, we, we pray every week at the altar. We'll do again today, and the prayer cards, we see week after week praises. You prayed for me, and it came through. There was no possibility of getting a place to live. There was no possibility of getting my children into the school. This is true. This happened a few months ago, and both happened in the same week, and we're just praising the Lord. You know, we could spend weeks just gathering and getting out the praise reports from our cards and announcing them to you. God is among us, Emmanuel. He's at work and not just in the Advent season. See, when we start to live like that, we're prepared for anything. There is no surprise, even an angel showing up with an announcement that can get us off track. We're ready for more. I think the Lord is with us the more we start to serve. That was Mary's response. That was her only response. Not, oh, what about this? What about that? No, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go anywhere. You came awfully fast. Don't leave yet. I've got questions. No, she just simply says, I'm the Lord's servant. Do you think she understood how the, the impact of what was going to happen here? No. There was no way she could have all the answers. And God doesn't choose to do that for us either. He does the same with us as he did with her. He gives us what we need to get started, and he will make sure we have everything we need, the people in our life, the circumstances, the doors opening, to make sure we complete our purpose and fulfill our destiny down to every detail. Amen. That's exactly what the Scripture tells us about the Apostle Paul, for example, who wrote so much of the New Testament. He fulfilled his purpose. And that's exactly what God is calling us to do. In fact, Jesus, on the last night of his life, 
in the prayer in the garden said, Father, I've completed down to the last detail everything you sent me here to do. That same example is what Mary did. And it's the same example he wants for each of us. God has an assignment. He's with you. He's favoring you. And he wants us to press in and be with him the way Mary was. Amen. And serving released some powerful things in her life. You see, our vision as a church is really centered. This is one of the key components of it. Are you listening? Leadership is all about serving, becoming servant leaders together. All of us love to be leaders. Or some of us say, no, I know I don't want to be a leader at work. I don't want to be a leader at school. I'm not, a, I'm not cut out to lead. Well, let me tell you, all of us will lead something. It starts with leading yourself. Come on. Leadership starts with leading me leading myself in my thinking and in my behavior and my attitudes. You are in control of yourself. You're the boss of you. And so some of the greatest leaders in the universe have been terrible leaders of themselves. They've been given great responsibility, and they couldn't carry it because they weren't leading their own life. So we all have areas of leadership. If you're a father, a mother, a teacher, a nurse, a doctor, uh, just a student, you could be leading the team next week when you organize to do your study group. And the key to leadership is having the servant attitude of Mary. And that's the quality we want to develop together. Friends, we're here to build up our holy faith together. Amen. That's the goal in this community, in the Gemeinschaft. This place that we gather is a place to encourage one another. I'm here encouraging you, speaking good things, looking out at each of you as I look across the auditorium and believing the greatest days in faith, in life, in ministry are ahead of you and not behind you. But serving is key. Serving, that attitude of service that Mary had. How do you know? She was ready for the greatest assignment that any woman ever received, that the whole world would know about, because she had been preparing for it by serving quietly day to day in the tasks no one saw. So ask yourself some questions. When it comes to authority, at home, at school, in your work? How do you respond to those who are in leadership? What's your attitude toward them? Are you willing to serve others when they give you assignments? Because you're really carrying out somebody else's vision and not your own. How do you feel about that? I mean, honestly, are you comfortable with serving on behalf of someone else? Are you willing to serve others and not get credit? Are you willing to serve sometimes when it doesn't seem like it's fair? Maybe they get to do the better assignment. Are you focused on what somebody else gets to do? Are you willing to, to just turn around and go, I'll do whatever you ask me to do? We had a young man in this church that came to faith and was on his journey. And uh, he went back to the home country where he was from and 
he came back after a visit and said, uh, I, I found a church I'm going to go to when I move back there. And, and uh, he said, do you have any advice for me? How good was that? I said, go to the pastors or whoever the leaders are of the church when you get there and simply say to them, how can I pray for the leadership of the church? And secondly, where do you need me to serve? And I, and, and I told him, don't be surprised if they're shocked. I can tell you as a pastor for a long time how rare it is to hear that question, how do you need me to serve? But that's what we want to build in each other. By the way, he went there and he did that. And after about six weeks, he wrote me an email. And he said, they're asking me to step in and lead their small group ministry in the church. He'd only been there six weeks. You know why? They saw somebody that was willing to do whatever they asked. So they knew that they could trust him with something that they wanted him to do because they, he'd already told them, I'll do whatever you want. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can do that at home. You can do that at work. I'm telling you, it's risky. You might be asked to do something you don't want to do. But let me tell you, God will use that assignment to prepare you for better and greater things. I think finally the Lord is with us. The more, just like Mary, we embrace the change and the risks that it takes to step into the assignment. He doesn't give us assignments that are easy, but he gives us assignments that are good. He knows more about your capabilities, your strengths and abilities than you do yourself. And he will never ask you to step up and use your time and your talent and treasure without equipping you to be able to do that. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? He'll give you what you need. And let me tell you, the impact, and this is how you really know the Lord is with you. She says to the Lord, my soul magnifies the Lord. What does that mean? It means that when people look at you into who you really are, the way you're living enlarges God's faith, his love, his kindness that cannot be seen. It becomes visible. And almost in the same way as God became human flesh, Emmanuel, God among us, he wants to incarnate his life, his soul, God's heart into each of us. And as he does that, even people at work or in your family who don't believe in God will begin to see the glory of the Father and the love of the Son coming out in your conversations, in your reaction that doesn't fit the way everything else is working. You're loving them even when they're being unloving. You're gracious even when they're ungrateful and unkind to you. You speak back a kind word. You don't take revenge. You don't take what doesn't belong to you. You are standing out. In your high school or university, they won't understand why you're not doing the same things they're doing in the clubs, in, in the neighborhood. You're walking in a different way. There's a glory and a shine on your life that enlarges the light and beauty of God. What an opportunity. And see, that's what Mary did. And because she was faithful to it, 
God was able to bless not just her and her family, but the whole world. Through her one simple act of, I'm the Lord's servant, God had someone who carried to term the Son of God and brought into the world the Savior. We, right here, right now, are the recipients, the receivers of Mary's faithfulness. Did you ever think of that? Because of her. Oh, you said, yeah, but God could have got somebody else. Yeah, but she was there and passed the test. And that's, why don't you stand to your feet? That's what I'm declaring right now for all of you. Think about it. Wherever you are in your life right now, you can kind of look at the future as a blank test page. And are you ready to pass that test? Because when you turn it over and all the questions that you have about what's ahead, am I going to make a good husband? Am I going to make a good wife? Do I want to be married? How will I be with my children? Can I get that job when I finish my training? What am I capable of? All of the questions that you have. You might want to go home and write some of them down. Can I give you the answer ahead of time? Would that be, that wouldn't be cheating? Huh? You know what the answer to every question in life is? One word. Come on, you know what it is. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. That's not silly and that's not being funny and clever. It's the truth. In Jesus, every answer to life's issues can be found. Come on, I need a better amen than that. Come on, doesn't somebody believe that here? (laughs) So I speak that over each of you here, that we step out of this day better prepared, more aware of the opportunity to have the Lord with us as we go into this Advent season. In Jesus' name. And if you believe it and receive it, let's give the Lord again an applause of praise.